All right, ladies and gentlemen, presenting for the, you know, probably the eighth or ninth time that we've been able to be blessed to do this. Uh, my light-skinned wonder, my partner in crime, ladies and gentlemen, give it up for Mrs. Maki Dini. Ah! <laughs> or, we, or we call her Crystal around here, but, you know, we'll go with that for now. Oh, thanks, love, as always, for the great introduction. I appreciate that. <laughs> well, welcome back, everyone. We're so excited that you're here. Uh, today, we get to dive into a father who um, is a father of four girls, and he has been married for 21 years, and he's so he's got a wealth of information, and I can't imagine what it's like to be a father of four girls. So let's dig in and help us welcome Willie Tucker. So this is our first uh, <laughs> first mobile um, recording, so we don't have any of our sound effects. Normally, we would be able to press buttons and you would be able to hear it sounds like super high quality. Uh, <laughs> But Willie, thank you so much for being here, man. Uh, thank you uh, for serving this wonderful country and giving us the opportunity to even be here to do so, uh, to have this podcast today, man. Welcome. Thank you. I appreciate you, Marquise and Crystal. Thank you for the wonderful introduction. All right. So in uh, birthright fashion, our favorite question that we love to know about the dads is, what was your favorite part about being your father's son? Man, that's a good question. It's uh, it's an honor and a blessing to be on this with you. And uh, that's a good question. Like I said, the, the best part of being my father's son is my name. Uh, I'm named after him. We have different middle names. I never got to grow up with him. But that was the one thing I knew that tied us together, even throughout the, the times that we uh, that we share or didn't share. It was the it was our name. That's that's what I appreciate the most. Wow, that's awesome. That that actually strikes really close to home for me um, because we're actually thinking about naming our son uh, after me. And uh, I'm, I'm kind of debating back and forth if we should change the middle name or not. But that was the point was because I was thinking about with the living legacy that comes with that, that, you know, if you run into my kid 10 years from now and we lose contact for some reason, you're going to say, What's your name? And they say, Marquise Dennis. You'd be like, wait a minute. Wait a minute now. I, I know yeah, that guy. Yeah. So, yeah, so that's the thing I, I do appreciate because so we do have the same first first name, but my, my middle name is his best friend growing up. And so there's that link, that tie. And uh, I get a lot that look like him. So it does help. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that does help. Right. As long as he's got good credit out there in the streets, it would help. If you owe, if you owe a yeah, bunch of people why, money, that wouldn't be a good thing. Exactly. <laughs> that's why he didn't want to choose. <laughs> nice. It seems like yeah. a little bit of accountability comes with that too. When you name your son after you, you got to really think. All right, well, legacy. What legend am I setting him up for? Exactly. That you know, a name goes a long way. Uh, if you think about all the names of history what emotions and what thoughts to come up with a, with a name is a, a legacy that's left behind in a name. Yeah, that makes sense. I'm hoping that um, having those headphones that close to the microphone did not give feedback for this whole portion. Oh man. I just thought about how crazy that would be if, if that's picking that up. Um, but so you, you didn't have the opportunity to grow up around your father um, so can you give us a little, uh, context of what it was like growing up, um, knowing that you had the name, but also are missing, you know, the individual that you want to be able to, you know, uh, attach that to. Yeah. So, you know, I was struggling with that in the last, I don't know, four or five years, I guess is I, you know, I had his name, uh, Willie Tucker, that, that was our name shared. However, I didn't have that family that Tucker family uh, emotion behind the name, you know, behind Tucker. And so it's very difficult sometimes to really associate myself with the Tucker side. I mean, since I didn't grow up, you know, near them, we, I grew up in Southern California. Most of my Tucker family was in Mississippi at a, a few aunts and uncles. And, and uh, one of my great grandmas was in Oxnard, California. We grew up, you know, Southern in uh, Los Angeles County. So, they weren't too far, but I never got to visit them. So that having that 
that sense of family as a Tucker, I never got that. But I, I, I did cherish that link of we shared the, a Willie name. And so it was very challenging, you know, to grow up not near family. And the family I grew up with was my stepdad's family and never really feeling welcomed in, into that family. Uh, we'll, we'll probably talk about it a little bit later, but my mom would always tell me, you look like your dad, you sound like your dad, you act like your dad. And she had this animosity with my dad. And so I kind of felt that too, or whether right, wrong, or indifferent, that's what I, that's what I assigned uh, her feelings towards me is that she felt indifferent to me is that she uh, felt so a certain way against my dad with his name, his looks, his mannerisms, talk, all kinds of different things. Uh, I just never felt welcomed in that, in that family that I grew up in. Man, I can understand that for sure. So, um, you know, growing up without a dad, uh, especially when, you know, you have that situation where you're being reminded all the time you look like, or you're acting like, did you find yourself kind of sensationalizing your father? Like, he was this superhero or did you look at him more in a negative light? I didn't look at him like anything, uh, which it hurts me too. And that, you know, I had this conversation with him a few years back, but I remember, <laughs> so I don't remember growing up with him at all. My, my mom and dad divorced when I was about three or four. Uh, the first time I remember seeing him was when I was six, I went to go visit him. The next time, that was 1981. I uh, saw him again in 84, saw him again in 88. Uh, visits, you know, long-term visits. I may have talked to him every few few times over the phone, but what struck me the most is that I was in high school. I, I think I was a junior or senior in high school. And uh, I wanted a, a letterman's jacket and a class ring. And I can only pick one. My mom's like, well, if you want the other, you got to call your dad. So I called him up and he's, he flat out asked me, he says, you know, the only time you ever call me is when you need money. And that hurt. And that was one, you know, the times where every time my, my mom asked me to call my dad is because he needed money. And that really struck me hard. And I can't, I remember not talking to him again for a few years because I didn't want him to feel like every time I called, I was asking him for money. And so it was, uh, I, I don't it just made me feel weird, you know. We had that name, but we didn't have that family connection. We didn't have that father-son connection. Wow. I, I Being estranged from my children, I get a little bit of that with, uh, with one of my kids as well, where they just call, and it's like, hey, let's reconcile, let's do some things. And I'm like, all right, let's go. And then they're always like, all right, so you need to make up for all these birthdays. You need to, what? I was like, yeah, listen, yeah. I unfortunately don't even know you. You know what I mean? I'm try I'm trying my best to get to know you, but if you think that I'm a piggy bank, you came to the wrong guy. Like I can't, you know, yeah. I'm not going to support that. Not that I don't want to take care of them. It's just if that's what you're going to call me for. Like I had a I had an incident one time where I ran into my oldest son at the movie theater. And he was getting kicked out of the theater, him and his friends. And the reason was because they needed an adult to go to the movie. And I had to make a quick decision. You know, he didn't ask me or anything, but in my mind, I was like, oh, wait, I could just go sit in. And then I was like, well, right. then what precedent am I sitting? You know, am I saying, hey, you want to do something illegal? You want to do something that's not right? Call dad. I'll help you with that. Or do I just say, hey, yeah. good to see you. I'm going to go do my thing. And I, I chewed on that for probably a month, man. It just, in my stomach, just hurt because I felt like, man, that would have been an opportunity for me to show him that he could count on me. But if it's for something negative, yeah. I just had to go with, as a parent, you know, no matter what the cost is, I have to protect or at least do my best to protect you know, his innocence or protect what's best for him in the long run. But it sounds like from right. your perspective, um, being the son, when you made that phone call, if I understood you accurately, um, it wasn't even like a thought that had crossed your mind. Like, you know, oh, you're with mom. She's normally paying for this stuff. She's paying for the ring. And so then you're placing the phone call, you know, and that just is kind of yeah. natural or instinctive until he had said something about it. And is that the point where 
it hit you that you really, cause you said you didn't talk to him for about four years after that. So is that the point where you were like, Oh wait, I don't want to be represented as this. This was just something I thought was normal. Yeah. So, you know, I thought it was normal. Every time I needed something, I just called dad, help me out. You know, uh, we need money or whatever. Cause he was never really ordered to pay child support from what I understand. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if he was, he, I don't know if he did or not. I didn't, I didn't really get into that, but I remember, you know, it was times where we were strapped for cash, you know, as a family. And my mom would always say, Hey, you need new shoes. Go call your dad. Uh, you need school clothes. Go call your dad, whatever. And, and he lived in Hawaii. So it's not like he was down the street, right? It wasn't yeah. like I just go visit him. It was, you know, it was an ordeal to really schedule out these calls. Cause you know, they're three hours behind or, um, couldn't just hop on a bus and go visit that, you know, yeah. uh, it was, it was a challenge. Right. So, uh, yeah, it was just anytime we needed something, you know, if we wanted extras, go call your dad, you know, we wanted the Nintendo one year, go call your dad. Uh, and it, it was never really to call dad just to say hi. Yeah. You know, how you doing? I uh, missed you. Um, I, I honestly don't even remember calling him on his birthdays or father's days or anything like that. Wow. I'm not saying I didn't. I just don't remember that. I remember more of the phone calls of, I need, you know, we need money. I need new shoes or I want a class ring or a letterman's jacket, whatever. You know, I, I don't remember which one I asked him for. Uh, but it, it was the stuff I needed. That's what I remember calling because when he said that, he said, you know, the only time you ever call me is when you need something. That's all the times that flooded back. Yeah. You know, and the natural reaction is, well, no, dad, you know, I called you on this, 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 you know, <laughs> when not need the money, right? Yeah. That, that's the defensive side. I don't remember, I don't even remember saying anything. I just remember that feeling like, dang, all, all my dad thinks is that I want stuff from him instead of him as a father. Yeah. And that hurt. So, and, for and con- I, I didn't call him, I didn't, I didn't call him because I was, I was angry at him. Yeah, I I just I didn't call him because I didn't want to hurt him anymore. Yeah. So for context, you said we were you the only child from your father and your mom or. No, so uh, so this is like you said, Crystal, earlier, you know, this is a uh, apropos weekend uh, being Memorial Day weekend and me serving in the military. My dad and mom both served in the Air Force. Uh, She got out of the Air Force. My dad transferred to the army and went to to Hawaii. Between the two, it was myself and my little brother. My little brother passed away Thanksgiving night, mm. 2013. Oh man. And so, you know, we're you know, we're kind of we're we're celebrating his life this weekend. Um and you know that and that unfortunately that kind of brought my dad and I together closer as well because I'm his only son left. Mm-hmm. And I had I had two sisters with him uh, on his side of the family. Two uh, from his second marriage, I had two sisters from that. So from my mom and dad, it's just me and my little brother, who's now gone. Right. And, and so uh, he ended up he ended up moving with my dad. Oh gosh, probably eighty eight. No, a little after that. And that's eighty one, eighty four, eighty eight. 90 he, he moved him he moved in with my dad around 1990 and uh that was the last time i saw my little brother to my graduation day in 93 and my dad missed that too which hurt you know and yeah there was a lot of different challenges that we that we had to go through as as a family between my dad our brother and i and i might i might share you a picture with you uh of my dad my brother and i first time we were all together in one place since 1988 wow and, uh, that year that, that was like night when was that 2000 2012 so from 88 to 2012 we were never in the same place at the same time and wow. uh, i keep that picture close that you know, like i said that's the first time in what 20 almost 20 years so i can imagine so what was growing up like knowing that your dad is you know one that far away uh, did you have like a step parent or a coach or somebody that kind of stepped into that role? Yeah. So my mom found another man to live with. Uh, they were never married until after I left the house, but they got together in 81 and I, I couldn't get out of California fast enough. So 1993 is when I left. 
the whole time, let's say between 82 and 93, I lived with him and it was okay at first, but man, it was, it was not a childhood that I would wish on anybody. Um, the physical abuse, the mental abuse, the emotional abuse, um, you know, again, with, with, with the re constant reminder, you look like your dad, you sound like your dad, you talk like your dad, all those different things. I, um, having my dad's name, you know, it's kind of like having my dad in the house. Yeah. Right? So I, I don't know if that played anything into it. Um, uh, but it's, you know, it's a, it's a challenge with, with, with being in a, I mean, you already know, right. Having a blended families is a challenge, but having yeah. a broken blended family is even worse. Right. Oh, yeah. My mom was broken with her relationship with her dad. My stepdad was broken with his relationship with his parents. Um, so you got two broken people trying to raise children. All you're going to do is raise broken children. Yeah. And, and you know what? I didn't have that, that, that solid father figure of this is how to be a man. Yeah. You know, growing up, manhood was like, how many women are you going to sleep with? Uh, not, I, I wasn't even, so like I was telling you earlier, I was fixing my wife's brakes. I just learned that within the last three days. Wow. No one taught me that. Yeah. Right. YouTube. So YouTube University, man. Yeah. <laughs> so I didn't have these things. Right. I didn't have these things. I didn't have a man to teach me how to be a man. Yeah. And so I, that's what I miss. And and, and I kind of glorified my dad in that. I don't know if he would have taught me those things. Right. But I I wish I wish he did. You just always thought, oh, if he would have been around, he would have. Yeah. It's it's shoulda woulda coulda right. If, if yeah. my mom and dad never got divorced, he would have taught me. He would yeah. taught me how to treat a woman. He would taught me how to be a dad. He would taught me how to be a man. Um, you know all, all these different things. I don't I don't know if he would, but like you said, it's that shoulda woulda coulda. So and I used to I used to look at other actors right. So I'm biracial, half black and half white right. Right. And I would look at other actors like Eddie Murphy, Denzel Washington, all these guys, and just imagine them as my dad, Bill Cosby. Unfortunately, like, looking back, it's probably not the best idea, right? Yeah, yeah. But uh, I would look at all these other these other black men. I would imagine that, man, my dad could be like that. Yeah. So I never had that whole lot of experience. Who was your Who was your all time favorite uh, black dad that you envisioned? <laughs> Bill Cosby. Okay. Okay. <laughs> the Cosby Show was the. Cosby Show was it for me. That was it, yeah. The Cosby Show. Yeah. It's, it sounds weird saying uh, it now, but back then, you I know. Know, it made sense. It made sense. Because it it's like... so much sense back then. Now it's like, oh, gosh. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> he definitely would have taught you how to treat a woman, for sure. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. So we have the unfortunate circumstances of today and, and of course, his story. But... In the time yeah. when he was that father figure idol for you, what was it about him that really was like, man, that would be my dad, or I would love for that to be something I got to do with my dad? Oh, gosh, the wisdom, right? Mm -hmm. knowing, knowing when to say something, knowing what to say, how to say it, uh, just the, the wisdom. One of my favorite episodes was uh, Theo Huxtable. He wanted to be a man, and so they started charging him rent. Right. They emptied out his room and they sold everything back to him. Yeah. I'm like, that's the kind of lessons, right? Yeah. Looking back, I'm like, gosh, that's brilliant. So we tried that. <laughs> How'd that go? <laughs> it, it didn't go like the hustle. <laughs> it, was, it was a lesson, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. It's just, you know, Bill Cosby's and that character, the hustle was, uh, just the wisdom, the compassion. Um, you know, and it, it wasn't just the kids that turned to him for wisdom. It was their friends too, mm -hmm. you know. But then what also struck me was the respect he, respect that he had for his father. Yeah. Right? I used um, to always I love that. The father's name, but the respect that Bill Huxley had for his father, just um, looking back and I'm like, man, that, so that's a whole family lesson that is missing now, right? Look how all these kids who are disrespecting their fathers. Right. That, and that's one of the last shows I can remember where there was a hierarchical, patriarchal uh, hierarchy that was respected, yeah. not because of who they are, but because of their position in the family. Yeah. Right. You know, there was respect. 
Each yeah. father was treated with respect. They weren't treated as an idiot or as a, as a fool or whatever. It was just this respect for position. Mm-hmm. Man, you're playing on That's our heartstrings right now. Yeah. So before we, get, <laughs> before we get into you as a father, uh, I wanted to touch on something because when you made the correlation between, you know, your, your mom being hurt with her family, uh, your stepdad being hurt with his family, you know, we're going to transition to see how that affects you as a father. But you had mentioned um, the ab- abuse that was going on. Uh, and you, you don't have to go as, as, you know, too deep that you're uncomfortable. Uh, but if you could just kind of touch on some of the things uh, that you experience, So that way, you know, like I said, when we make that transition, we can see how this cycle kind of perpetuates itself and how you can overcome. Oh, man. So, I mean, it goes as far, it, it goes as small as every time we walked in the house, it was, hey, Willie, go get me some ice. You remember Friday? Yeah. Remember the movie Friday? Yeah. Drop the ice? Yeah. Yeah, I've done that many times. <laughs> hey, Willie, go get me some ice. So I go get him some ice, right? And then I bring him some ice water and, and he just say, man, you're, you're just useless. You're worthless. All these different things, right? Wow. Um, there was one. There was one day, and I'll never forget this day. But I, I said something like, "You're not my dad. You can't tell me what to do." And he picked me up on my throat. And this is this is what I realized. Um, this is this kind of solidified what my belief was with my mom. Is I called the cops. Cops showed up, and she took up for him. No. And she had just picked me. He had just picked me up on my throat. Wow. Mm. And so that at that point, I, my relationship with my mom, my relationship with my mom was already already wasn't great, but that kind of solidified like she's just my mom. There's nothing more there. Um, but like you know, later on, you know, years later, she's just mom. You know, I I, I love her. I still love her. She's my mom, but I will never have a relationship with her again after you know, other things that happened since then, but it's just things like that. You know, there was a time I, I called myself running away. I ran, I was gone for the day. Uh, I, I did everything I could to stay out of the house. I, I played sports all the time. Uh, I stayed every weekend. I was at a different friend. Most, in high school, I was at my best friend, Scott. Now I'll never forget him. Um, I was at his house almost every weekend in high junior, senior year. Uh, I, I just did everything I could to stay out of that house. I played, you know, even even though I played, I, I played sports. My my stepdad never showed up to anything other than my football games. Um, and that was the worst sport. That, that was my worst talent in, in sports. So I played soccer. I was second team all league, coming off the bench. Right. Wow. Uh, I'm in my high school hall of fame for running hurdles, but he never showed up to any of those soccer games or the or the track meet except for the main track meet where you know the professional runners like carl lewis and flojo they all ran in there yeah. he would only showed up for that um and then my soccer team we won state one year undefeated he never showed up to a single game wow but he would show up to all the football games yeah wow so also before we get off the subject sorry i just i remember you saying something about your yeah. brother going to live with your father correct so then you didn't necessarily grow yeah. up in this household yeah. with your younger brother is that correct so uh when he left that would have made me about 15 14 15 and he was a couple of years younger than me so we grew up together most of the time okay. uh he spent his high school high school years in hawaii with my dad and so let's step back for a little. So in 88, I went to live with my brother and I went to live with my dad. Uh, we started school in Hawaii and everything. And then Thanksgiving night, we got into a car accident and my stepmom sent us back to California. So it's not to say, I mean, I had opportunity to live with my dad that time. Uh, when my brother moved back, had I could have probably left with him. But I, I decided to stay with my mom because my stepdad was very abusive and I thought I could help protect her or whatever. Yeah. So he wasn't just abusive to me. He was abusive to all of us, especially my mom. Mm. Um, so I, I, I wanted to stay back with my mom because I felt some sort of, you know, I wanted to protect her. Yeah, yeah. Not knowing what was going to happen years later, right? Where she's going to pick up on my throat. She's just going to 
<laughs> nope, didn't see a thing. That never happened, right? Uh, that that's, that sticks with me. You know, I've forgiven her. That's the most part. That's the biggest part. I have to forgive her. Otherwise, I'll continue on the path that I was on uh, right. just a few years ago. So, yeah. so making that transition, whew, this is going to be a hard shift, but what <laughs> is your favorite part about being a father? Oh, man. You know, it's it's knowing that um, there's so many. I, I It's hard for me to choose one thing. Uh, it's being called dad. You know, that to me, it's like I'm responsible for another life. I mean, as much as I could be, right? God is in control. But, man, just being called dad is my favorite part. Um, my youngest daughter is 17. My oldest is 23. The day, what I miss the most is walking into the house and hearing daddy yeah. and then come and run for a big hug, right? Yeah. And so now my youngest daughter, 17, she still does that. And I walk into the house and she's got her arms out wide, like, you know, waiting for that hug. And it yeah. just makes my day, you know? And I try not to, I try not to make a big deal about it because, uh, I, I probably should. I probably should make a big deal about it. I yeah, you should make it. a big deal about it. <laughs> you should do it. Because, you know, what's, what's rewarded is repeated. <laughs> yeah, and that, that's what I love the most is being called dad. You know, that, that's that's my favorite part. And I've always wanted sons, but I'm so blessed to have daughters. I, I can't even, I can't see my life without, without daughters and with a son. Yeah. So uh, walk us through like, you know, 20 uh let's say 24 years ago you know you're walking through pregnant your first pregnancy um you know with all the uh the things that you're carrying at the time uh were you married or yeah. were you guys no so <laughs> we were never married uh we were buddies <laughs> if you know what i mean <laughs> i know the, i know where you uh, at i know where you at <laughs> <laughs> So I was I was stationed in, we were stationed in England together. Um, it was one of my last few weeks. And she ended up pregnant, and uh, she got out, went moved to Tulsa. I got stationed in Georgia, so I was I was never there for the for the pregnancy, but the anticipation of being a father was exciting for me. Um, my mom and dad always wanted a daughter named Tiffany, so uh, when I had to talk with 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 her mom my daughter's mom and say, you know, this is what my daughter, this is what my parents always wanted. And she agreed. So we named her Tiffany. Um, and she was my pride and joy, man. I couldn't, I, I could not, not show her off. Right. Yeah. When I got baby pictures, I was showing baby pictures to everybody. I was just so excited to be a dad. So excited. Wow. So what is, what is it like bringing up a daughter in these, this day and age? <laughs> stressful <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh man uh it is so i i can't really say what what's on my mind but it, it's it's like okay with a daughter you have to worry about every guy yeah right with a son you only have to worry about your son yeah right mm. so growing up with daughters like in the age of uh social media i mean Oh my gosh, like women's identity these days are caught up in looks and acceptance. And if you don't have the right looks, you're not accepted. And that's what I've noticed with my daughters. And man, my wife and I, we fight against that almost daily, especially growing in the last few years. Um, as our daughters, our oldest daughters have gone through high school and now into young adulthood, um it, it's that image right that a woman's image is everything yeah. and helping them learn that their worth and significance and that they come from god all first yeah but then there's they're uh, they're created in his image right and nobody and nothing can ever take that away you know there's a lot of women who want to change their hair color their breast size and have those implants and all of those different things like god created you 
a specific way. And so to change that means that God made a mistake and he yeah. doesn't make mistakes. He never makes mistakes. Yeah. You're created perfectly. And so uh, we have our youngest daughter's autistic. And, you know, we thank God every day for her because God created her in a special way to reach people, you know, for a purpose. We don't know what that purpose is yet. Right. But we have to be willing and open to receive that purpose. And so being a father of daughters is stressful with social media. It's stressful with the music that is being played now with all the different female rappers glorifying sex and body image and all these different things. It's a battle. And I, man, my wife was telling me the other day, like this time that we're in right now is the hardest time for parents when it comes because of technology. Yeah. If you think about since 1990 ish, not the, the internet came to, came to the public right around 92, 91, 92. Since that time frame till now, we have basically gone through over right around a hundred years of innovation. Yeah. If you go back from 1990 to, you know, the early 1900s, 1800s, I mean, we had a light bulb, television, cars and stuff like that. But look at what the internet has done. Ooh. It's, it's advanced technology so fast. So now, I mean, there's kids coming into high school now that don't know anything but social media. Yeah. They grew, that's what they grew up with. Yeah. And then you're going to have kids in the short term, right? Uh, shortly, who all they know is Netflix. And so it just, it just boggles my mind that, man, raising daughters right now, it freaks me out. I, I could, I'm kind of glad we have daughters older now. Yeah. I can't imagine raising young daughters right now, you know, five, six years old in, in this time. I'm scared for those parents 10, yeah. 15 years from now. Yeah. Yeah. We're pregnant right now. Yeah. Be afraid. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm, I'm praying for you, brother. Look, <laughs> we, got a, we got a boy, though, so it works out good. So, oh, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I just want to lock into this before we go any further. Something you said earlier about the, your favorite thing about being a dad is being called dad, but you expressed during that, um, you know, the moment and the joy in your heart when you walk home and your little girl is just running with open arms and joy towards you. And then you had yeah. just talked about, you know, how women these days have an identity crisis, essentially, you know, and something that we... Yeah. I'm pretty sure we didn't come up with this. We stole this from something we learned, but we talk about how fathers give the, um, the value to their daughters, you know, mothers give the values, but the fathers teach their value to the daughter. And so I just thought how amazing for your little girl to know that when she extends her heart, when she, when she opens up and and just expresses her joy and love to you that she's going to have the memory of knowing daddy embraced me with open arms and I was received with love and joy you know what I mean that makes an impact and so now again obviously I can't speak for her future but I'm thinking now when she grows up and she's meeting these men in the world she's going to know nah this is how my daddy received my love this is the kind of attention i got from my dad like i know i'm yeah. better than that you know what i mean so that just right, and that right. just hit my heart you know you got me choking up here but <laughs> that was good <laughs> I that, love that's it. that's important too because i learned i mean i always knew that right what you just said i always knew it but i never always put it into practice and so you know i have daughters who they don't see me that way and it hurts mm-hmm. they still call me dad but they don't see me as a trusting dad. And, um, it, and, it, and it does hurt because, you know, I just love being their father. I love them. And, and I can't, you know, and really understanding grace is really what got me to be here because without God, without him teaching me what unconditional love is, I couldn't do it for my daughters. And unfortunately, I learned that lesson too late in, in the sense that, um, they don't see me that way. That's not to say that they won't see me that way later. Right. It's just right now they don't see me that way. Yeah. And that was a lot of my question was like, you had talked about, you know, just kind of getting healing uh, from some of the wounds and some of the things that, you know, you and your dad even getting closer. And so I was going to ask, like, what were those early years of parenting like for you, especially with the distance? And, you know, having a buddy yeah. as opposed to a wife, you know, I'm sure that had some unique yeah. challenges as well. So, like I said earlier, you know, 
uh, manhood in my house was like, how many women were you with, right? The notches on the belt. A provider. Hey, I pay the bills here. I, I put food on the table. I do all these things. I, 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 right? It's not, I love you unconditionally. Hey, son, you, you've messed up. It's okay. How, how can we fix it? Um, I, I was really performance driven. Like I had to earn somebody's love. And if someone was mad at me, they didn't love me. That's how I felt. And that's how I brought that that's the emotions and the thought process I brought into my marriage. I brought into as a father. So I was very performance driven. Um, if I was, if I was working, I was providing, I was being a good dad. That's what I was taught. And so I wasn't around a lot early on in my, in my daughter's uh, lives or, you know, I was, we, we took some vacations together and we hung out on the weekends, but I didn't really teach them my presence. And that's where I think I failed because even now with God, right? God teaches us his presence and his patience. He teaches us his presence and his forgiveness, uh, all these different things. He's always present. And I didn't get that. I didn't learn that early enough to where now, if something were to happen to my daughters, I can't say that I'd be the first person they'd run to. I can't say that they would trust me with the deepest, darkest secret, or I can't say that they would come to me and just want to hug, right? They don't have, we don't have to say anything, just a hug. And so that's one of the things I do enjoy about my father is like, whenever we meet up together, we don't have to say a word. Just being in each other's presence is enough. We could sit there for hours and have the best time of our life, not saying a word. I can't say that about my daughters and it, and it hurts. Um, but, you know, it, like I said, you know, the last few years, learning God's grace, learning God's presence has transformed how I parent and how I husband and how I uh, man up or whatever you want to call it, how I perform as a man. It, it's really changed. And, it, and again, I still don't have that one man to teach me, earthly man, right? I, I never had that man Who's, who say, this is how to be a man, this is how to be a father, this is how to be a husband. I only have God. Yeah. And that's, that's why I turned to. Now, I've had mentors along the way. I had a couple of guys who helped me through some of the emotional uh, strongholds that I was going through. Uh, but how to be a man, I never had a guy. and still don't have a guy to show me that. I just, I, I, the only person I can do is turn to God because I've learned that man fails us yeah i failed my daughters so now i'm trying to teach them that they can still turn to god god will never fail us so did going to the military at all help you with the manhood struggle or did it exacerbate the idea of what you were taught oh man so, as soon as i stepped foot in the military it wasn't the worst decision but it wasn't the best either mm. you know i i had now I'm free. I can do what I want. I'm my <laughs> own man. Right? Yeah. With that comes, uh, I started getting drunk a lot, you know, womanizing. Uh, just waking up in the morning, first thought was, all right, uh, let's get to work, get work done. And then, you know, what kind of conquests can I get? Uh, and it, it's a pathetic life. It really is. I lived a pathetic life. Yeah, that's powerful, bro. I appreciate you for, for sharing that because, you know, being on the other side of it myself, um, even though I didn't go to the military, you know, I joined uh, the streets and, and, you know, lived the drug life. And that is like, you know, how many, how many women can you get today? You know, how much money yeah. can you make yeah. today? And yesterday don't even count unless you, and this is long before the Instagram, you know what I mean? Like, you had to yeah. be known for yeah. it. You actually really had to be out there where people knew you for it versus, you know, now you can take a picture from a Ferrari. You say, yeah. what's that? So you had to make a name. You yeah. had to make a name. Yeah. Your name was your, was your word, was your bond, your legacy and all that stuff. Yeah. Now, for, same thing for me, right? I, you know, I was known for a hard work and I was awarded that way um, and rewarded for that way. But um, sometimes my name was my word, but my word was a lie. Mm. 
Hmm. And I don't, I don't know if that makes sense to you, but uh, you know, where some say like my word is my bond. Well, yeah, if your bond is a lie, what good is it anyway? Right. And that, that, that was my life. You know, I, I wasn't, I wasn't always honest. I was, I pride myself. Oh, I'll tell you the truth. Well, I'll tell you the truth that you wanted to hear. That doesn't mm-hmm. mean it was the truth. What yeah. You wanted to hear. <laughs> yeah. I just happen to know would, you better than you. Of, yeah, right. You know, <laughs> uh, and it was manipulated. It's controlling, right? I mean, that's oh, yeah. how people manipulate. What do you want to? What do you want me to tell you? I'll yeah. tell you that. And that's manipulation. Oh yeah. And people don't understand that. And so when you tell someone else what they what you think they want to hear, they're not growing. They're not learning. They're 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 continuing on a, a path that is probably going to lead to destruction in many cases. Yeah. And you're also not being your authentic self. Um, I actually was reading yeah. in a book called Rewire. Um, I don't have the author's name handy at the moment, but in the book Rewire, it talked about um, the different, the different um, you know, personalities of a person. And one of the personalities that they talked about in this book Rewire was that um the nice guy. He said, beware of the nice guy. And it was funny. Uh, it's Richard O'Connor. Um, and so I was always like, what? I'm the nice guy. What are you talking about? So be careful of the nice yeah, guy. Yeah, me too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they said, because the nice guy will tell you what you want to hear versus what they actually think and yeah. feel. And they're some of the biggest phonies yeah. because in our minds, we're like, you know, I believe it to an extent. So giving it to you is no big deal. But really what it is, is I'm telling you, I really, I really value your approval more than my own feelings and my own um, value. And so uh, going through that was just absolutely horrifying. Um, But it it did help me, you know, as I'm now preparing and in some cases trying to repair relationships with my children it's like, you know, I have this intrinsic value now as to where it's like, whether you like me or not, whether you love me or not, whether you want to be around me or not, I'm still going to be your dad. And when everybody else turns right. on you, I'm going to still be here. And, you know, you don't have right. to like me right now. You don't have to believe me if you don't want to. But this is my truth. And I know it because I you would know you would want, if you knew what I went through to get here, you'd know that it wasn't a, it wasn't something I'm just telling you to make me feel good versus before I definitely would have told you I'll buy you ice cream. I'll take you shopping or whatever you want. You know? <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, I, so the, and that's parenthood today, right? Yeah. It's how can I be your friend more than your parent? Yeah. I mean, look at all these relationships that, you know, so I'm 46, right? I, I, my oldest daughter was born when I was 22. And so I'm my generation of parents, are more friends than they are parents, right? So that their, their kids get angry at them. So, okay, so I got to go get them McDonald's or I got to go get them, you know, a Nintendo or buy these tennis shoes so that they're not mad at them. Yeah. They want to be their, be- their their kid's best friend. And, yeah. and we see where that's happening, right? So my, you know, my parents' generation, that's that's who started it, Yeah. right? Because my parents' generation, their parents gone through the Great Depression. Yeah. And so, you know, you have this generation of, First, it's like, you know, we're going to do what we have to do to survive. And then now it's uh, get all that I can get at any cost. And now it's, you know, we got to be best friends, you know. And, and so you look on TV, it's kind of, it's really, it truly is a reflection of our society, exasperated, exacerbated. But now you got kids being parents and the roles are flipped. And so that's exactly it. And we got, it, it's, it's shameful. I, I don't know. I don't know when you, when you woke up to this, but I, we have, we've talked about this. Like we have the similar thoughts on this, like with yeah. Simpsons. It's been something that I've watched over years. I just, because I wasn't living it, I just never expressed it. You know what I mean? But I knew, right. I knew it was a thing. Yeah. And uh, you know, the studies and the stuff that, you know, cause I started, once I really started to, to dig in and start to understand human behavior, that's when it really starts to become fascinating. Because like if you read the books on yeah. how to create a slave, like they tell you like some of these things as you know, these are these are ways to, you know, put people in economic downturn 
um, you know, take them yeah. really far away from their home, you know, make them not be able to read. And a matter of fact, me and my wife were just talking about this yesterday, you know, with all the people not working, you know, once you start to rely yeah. on another entity <laughs> to pay your bills, you become less you yeah. know, apt to fight for whatever you believe, yeah. because you're like, ah, I can't, I can't upset the apple cart. But being respectful of your time, we are at our 45 minute. We definitely are going to have you back. But uh, love, is there anything <laughs> you want to uh, leave with him before we go into the proper fiber, uh, private fatherhood group? Oh, man, is there? Look, I learned my lesson. I started oh, brand. I'm taking notes these days. <laughs> I'm like, no, I had something. I know I did. <laughs> yeah. No, but I, I tell people all the time, whatever question you have, write it down. <laughs> yes, yes. I know. I was like, oh, I should have warned you because I don't want you to think I'm not paying attention. I just got to I got to stay focused. <laughs> oh, I, know. Um, I, I got you. I'm okay. But but the first thing I want to I want to dig into um, and you and you did catch yourself. But I want to make sure that that you do hear this. Uh, you had said several times, you know, with a couple of your daughters, you felt like you failed and it was too late. You did catch yourself and say it's not too late. Um, but I just want to I really want to affirm and reiterate that, um, at, especially as your as your example being God. God, you know, the redemption, the presence and talking about his presence in your life. Yeah. And that's what you can then carry on to them. Your consistency, your persistency to show love is going to make an impact no matter what, you know what I mean? It doesn't matter. It may not look like you want it to. It may not look like the ideal relationship, but at the end of the day, if you spend your time and your efforts ex exuding that love towards your children, when you're gone, that's what they have to look back on. You know what I mean? And I, I speak that because that's how my father got brought into my life. So he was, he was out before I was out of diapers, I'm pretty sure, but he came back into my life in my late twenties through his death. You know, he didn't have one conversation yeah. with me. He never got that relationship with me. But what he did do was live his life as a living testament to his love towards me. So the moment I walked into his house yeah. and I saw these baby pictures and I saw these notes and I saw all this stuff that he was doing, you know, it it shattered so much hatred, so much bitterness in me, you know. Um, so it, it made an impact and he never got to voice one word to me. And so I just want to yeah. affirm what you're saying and where your heart is, because you do, you're alive, you're here, you have an impact, you have that influence, and it's going to make a difference, you know, so just continue to follow your heart, continue to do what you're prompted to do, and just let the rest be, you know, what it is, but know that as long as you're showing that love, however that looks like to you, your, your impact in their heart, whether they let you see that or not, is going to happen. Uh, thank you. I appreciate that a lot. It does mean, it means the world for you to say that. And I remember listening to your guys' first episode and a lot of what you said about your father kind of reminded me of my father and then my relationship with my daughters. And so I appreciate everything you just said. That is, I love it. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. It's my honor. Um, yeah. And you've given us so many nuggets here. I'm trying to figure out how to summarize everything <laughs> I have. I'm like, ah, we need like five episodes with you. <laughs> but something paramount that you just shifted my perspective. And I'm sure as soon as my husband and I get to talk about this, um, that we've never heard before as you were talking about when you were when you were in the home and um you know your mom would say yeah call your dad for this or call your dad for that and that was to you as the child that was normal right because again what you're seeing is mom's paying for this and then she's saying hey call your dad for that so that's just a, a normal way of life but how it's perceived oftentimes on the father's end is like well you just trying to get the money from me you don't want you know what i mean so i don't think we give enough grace to the children and then that's why i said i feel like you just shifted that perspective because it's never been a cognitive thought in my mind that that's the influence of their household you know what I mean the father is not present yeah. he's not in he doesn't have relationship in that in that capacity so the only influence he has is what's being communicated within the household and if what's being communicated is he's money then by proxy, that's what you receive and begin to push out, you know, not as in dad, you my sugar daddy, but this is what I'm receiving. And this is the only thing I know. So when you said you made that call right. and how it shifted, you know, you wanted to change. You're like, whoa, I don't want to be known that way, but you also didn't know any better. So I just, I wanted to make yeah. sure we highlighted that. Cause I think that's so paramount for a lot of our fathers, especially for, you know, our family unit to, to extend more grace and to look at it from the perspective of the child, you know, you don't wake up inherently knowing 
what that relationship looks like to be with your dad or to be in relationship with your dad. And then the last thing yeah. relative to that, that I'll leave this on. Sorry, I'm getting winded here. <laughs> you got her all excited. Well, I know, I'm like, yeah, I'm like, <laughs> she over here. Oh, 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 I just got to tell Willie. Willie did it. I'm like, that was a good time to practice the mods. um so the last thing is you know the the damage it did to you when your mother would say you look like your dad you act like your dad you know that that again is something I don't think that we fully pay attention to because even if it was a bad relationship with the with the child's father what you're telling your child is you are this person So, you know, that, that those emotions that you have with that bad relationship or whatever the case may be, you're then projecting it onto your child and your child is receiving that as their identity because that's half of their identity. So, you know what I mean? I just, I don't, I don't know where really to leave that one off, but I do feel like it's so important that we pay attention to that fact, because no matter who the child is, they are half their father and half their mother. And you couldn't help the fact that you're like your dad, you look like your dad, you act like your, he wasn't even in your life. That was just inherently who you were. So instead of all these, your dad things, you know, this is you and, and affirming that in you. I mean, my husband had that same thing, you know, before he knew his dad, he just thought he was weird, you know, and out of place and he couldn't find, his own identity until he met his dad. And then he's like, Oh, this is why I'm like this. Like these things are within us. They're not controllable. They're not here to remind the parent of something else. You know, that's, that's who your child is. And we really got to build that up and focus on our children instead of focus on the relationships that, that made the child. If that's, if that's what I can leave that on. All right. Yeah. It makes sense. Cause if you think about if we're created in God's image, right? All our traits are from him. And so when you talk about, you know, you look like your mom, you look like your dad, you act like, well, we're, we're part, we're, like you said, we're half that person. So we're creating that person's image. Nonetheless, that we, you know, we're still creating God's image, but yeah. we still have to share DNA with these people. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that, everything you just said is spot on. Man, well, shoot, we appreciate you and, and definitely want to want to give a shout out to your little brother in honor this weekend and just bless your family with this time and remembering his life. And so thank you so much for coming on and being vulnerable with us. Like I said, your, your story's on fire, man. So I can't wait till we get to chat again. Yeah, thank you very much and bless you and your family as well. Appreciate yeah. you. Thank you. All right, brother. Well, I'm going to jump off here. Um, I, I got to still figure out how we're going to do this. I might have to just go live in the group in the private fatherhood group and then just have you patch yourself in. But it was, it was amazing to have you on the show. Um, We're going to end this version or this section of it. Uh, But man, appreciate you and we honor you and we appreciate you. Yeah. Thank you very much. All right, brother. It was fun. Love you. Yeah. Love you 